0: Throughout the years, everybody thinks that we're we're coaching wrestling. But what we're really coaching is kids.
1: We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I
2: would say nothing in life has
0: impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of
2: self-reflection, resilience. Toughness.
0: Some guys have it, some guys don't adversity 100% how to pick myself up and be a man after I failed and everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling for me wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy
1: we're fortunate if you wrestle because if you wrestle natural talent helps but it's it's 5% 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me. It taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time,
0: that's good wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast presented by Spartan Combat. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Happy Friday to you. Great interview coming up with Portland wrestling legend, Roy Pittman. Coach Pittman founded the Peninsula Park Wrestling Team in 1970, and he's still coaching, folks. He's coached over four Olympians, some 60,000 wrestlers, and 60-plus state champs. I'm sure it's way more than that. In this interview, we talk about a few wrestlers you may not know about. We talk about Bobby Janice who was one of Pittman's prodigies and one of the best wrestlers to ever come out of Oregon in the late 80s. We also talk about Oscar Wood, Dan Russell, both Oregon legends during this time. And then we also talk about Peninsula Park's main rival, the Cobra Wrestling Club, also based in Portland, Oregon, has produced a ton of legends in their own right. So just wanted to provide some context. Can't wait for you to hear this interview. Before we get there, fan of the week, it's Rob Tanner who works for the Forest Service, taking care of Deschutes and Oco National Forest. Thank you so much for the support, Rob, and thanks for helping make this interview happen. As always, Wrestling Changed My Life is presented by Spartan Combat. Spartan Combat is now taking custom team apparel orders for the 2022-2023 season. Go to SpartanCombat.com to place your order. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for the legend, Roy Pittman. Coach Roy Pittman, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks yeah, for having me.
1: I'm so excited. Yeah, i um just been researching you all morning, and there's so many things I want to ask you about. Let's just start, though, with a brief, brief background on yourself. How did you end up in uh, Portland and going to high school out there in the 60s?
0: Well, I was born in Louisiana, the state of champions, of course but then we moved here when i was about 4 years old my parents moved here and stayed here and been here ever since
1: and did you wrestle in high school
0: yes i did back in 1958 ooh yes those were the good days horsehair mats long pants stuff like that
1: And then how did you end up uh, founding the wrestling club at Peninsula Park in the 70s?
0: Well, I was a recreation director, a recreation specialist, and I had to come up with a program that everyone could do. And I looked around and programs like football, you have to have special talents. Baseball, you have to have special talents. Basketball. All these other sports, you had to have special talents, but they all cut people. And two of the most traumatic things in a kid's life is being cut and being picked last. And yeah. wrestling is a sport where all it takes is just discipline and dedication.
1: Yeah, that's a big thing for you, inclusivity and you know, getting kids to believe in themselves. That's,
0: a, that, well, that, that's all it is. Uh, throughout the years, everybody think that we're, we're coaching wrestling, but what we're really coaching is kids.
1: Where do you think, you know, just looking at it now, where do you think most, most clubs go away that go away from kind of your core philosophy that, that you've seen? Is it just that the, the inclusivity isn't there? Well,
0: egos, egos, you know, a nation is only as strong as the youth in that nation. And mm-hmm. we got to constantly build these youth. And in, and in building these youth, it's all about believing. Uh, Peninsula is not about outcome. It's about output.
1: And did you have best. this philosophy from the very beginning?
0: Uh, pretty much so, yes. Yes, I
1: So when you talk about kids coming in the club, I saw an interview you did, and you say that you redefine success and winning. Yes. What does that mean to you guys? Well,
0: many kids, they they see people like Jordan Burroughs, uh, Kenny Monday, or John Smith, and they try to emulate people. And that's one of the things that's wrong with our country today. We like to emulate other people, and all you can be is really yourself. And deal with what you have to deal with. Not, you, know, you could practice your whole life and never be as fast as Kenny Mundy. Or never be as flexible as John Smith. And so we have to redefine success for you. What's best for you?
1: And do you stray away from outcome-based definitions of success, like winning and losing?
0: Well, there is no loser if you do the best you can. I like that. Yeah, you know, the key of all this is, do you believe in yourself? And the, and the more you get into it, especially now, is we all deal with trauma. And it just comes out differently.
1: And do you see a lot of the kids that you coach throughout the years, do they have some form of trauma in their life?
0: Oh, yes, everyone, has, everyone does. You know, the biggest thing about trauma or about all these things, uh, mental health is everyone's in denial until it happens. Mm. You know, we see it every day in professional athletes. We just look at their performance and look at their bodies, but we don't look at their behavior.
1: Wow. Yeah. No. It's uh, you definitely see that. Especially, I was just watching a documentary earlier this week. And they talk about the post-Olympic blues and how these Olympic athletes, after the Olympics, it can be a really depressing time. And a lot yes. of them never get back to that, that pinnacle.
0: Well, you know, you you look at it as where are they now? Are they constructive members to society or are they a, a drain on society? Mm-hmm. And my whole purpose is make them positive contributing members to society within the culture that they choose to live in.
1: And you do that through wrestling. And, and if we go back to when you first started the club, you know, I, I'm not, a, I don't know a lot about Oregon. Give us a sense of like the environment where Peninsula Park's at and, you know, where did you guys first start and like how many kids did you have? Talk about the early years.
0: Okay. The early years, Peninsula Park, well, Oregon is a, is the whitest state in the United States. And I started at Peninsula Park. It's in North Portland, and in North Portland is where a lot of kids of color was living. And so, and they, you know, they could they could run track and play baseball and football, but they weren't wrestling. So I said, I well, I want to start something that everyone can do, regardless. And so what I did is I started with Cub Scouts. Because Cub Scouts had the the mannerisms that I wanted. That was the foundation. Hmm. And I started with five kids. And they went out and they were the disciples. And they went out and recruited other kids. And people saw their behavior. And it just mushroomed from there.
1: And when you're when you're at your peak of it, how many kids are you seeing come through there on a like on a weekly basis?
0: Well, last night we had practice and we had 40 by 45 kids.
1: That's good this time of year. So coach, you're still in there. You're still in that practice. Of course, man. Wow. That's <laughs> of what a man, that's incredible. I just uh, and I, I saw several reports that say like you've coached over 60,000 kids in your day. Something crazy well, like it's, that.
0: It's really more than that, but who's keeping count? It's probably (laughs) close to two hundred thousand over fifty-three years. Fifty-three
1: years, and so you know, I think about Portland. I think about some of the stuff you've heard in the news in the past three to four years. But back in the eighties, you know, the I just did a documentary on a legendary wrestler from Illinois, Tony Davis, and uh, you know the. The, the crack epidemic hit Chicago really bad in the 80s. Did you see that in North Portland back in the 80s in the, in the gang environments?
0: Oh, yes, we did. You know, with your clubs, you have to have an environment where everyone is welcome.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, our country, or our system is great in labeling things. And the reason we label things is because once you label something, you don't have to know what's inside. You just look at the label.
2: Hmm.
0: and many of the people are labeled because of their their color because of their height, because of different things and you really never get to see that that real person
1: yeah and that's that's really what you're about is is trying to to change that perspective and if you look at the like the actual wrestling of it like do you guys start with uh you know, like the four-year-olds, they do a certain technique and the older kids do different techniques. How do you structure that? Because I know you, nah. one of your things is how big the age gap is in the room.
0: Wrestling is simple. Wrestling is all about eight basic skills. And it's been that way since the beginning of time and how you as an individual adjust your body to those skills. That's all. You know, But when we start comparing kids and going into other areas, you know, you can look at uh, look at Jordan Burroughs' example. You know, he has the motion, the change of elevation, the explosion. He has all when he puts those skills together, he's unbeatable.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And but when he loses, it's because he's dropped one of those skills. It's not because the people person was better than him. He just dropped one of those skills.
1: And what are the eight eight skills in your eyes? Well, it's position. It's motion, it's changing
0: elevation, back step, back arch, lift, and hand fighting. Wow,
1: that's simple.
0: Yes, it's just uh, certain kids, like a kid will come in, a four-year-old, mm-hmm. and every parent thinks their kid is the greatest kid in the world, but the kid can't tie a shoe. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we talk about that. So I, I get a relationship with the parents and regardless of what anyone says, no parent can be objective with their own child. And that's why they need someone else to guide them. And it's who do they pick to guide that child? And, and I act as a guide for most of these kids and the parents. Some kids come from single parents, some kids don't. i just, uh, but I'm, but I'm, I'm consistent. I am here. I'm the one consistent thing in people's lives. I'm here.
1: Wow! And how how many how long throughout the year are you guys going?
0: We go year round.
1: I love it, man. This is. Mm. I can't believe uh, you know. I was in wrestling for so long, and and just in the past three to five years, started hearing about the club, and it's like, man, it's such an awesome thing to see this, and like, man, the Oregon history is so rich too. You go back to those Portland State teams of the early '90s. And you know Dan Russell's pin and Pat Smith at the uh, Portland State duel. I mean, there's there were some great names during that era.
0: Well, see, we used to have a a competition here. Well, people thought it was a competition, but we had two main clubs: USA, Oregon, and Peninsula.
1: The Cobras, the big, right? Huh? The Cobras. The,
0: yes. Okay. And the only here we was, go. Was the, was the philosophy. Uh, but Peninsula, but USA, Oregon started with Peninsula. So
1: 1970 you, start huh? Pen- 1970, you start Peninsula Park. 1972, yeah. Mark Sprague starts the Cobras. And yeah. what's, you know, what, what happened during those years? And what's the difference between the programs?
0: Well, the difference is I wanted all means all. And Mark was interested in his son. And Marky Sprague was one of the toughest things going. But after he got his, when he started out, he, he couldn't chew bubble gum and walk at the same time. But once he got those basic fundamentals down and Mark had him on the program, he was tougher than snot. So Mark wanted to fast track him to the Olympics. And I said, Mark, everyone can't do that. So he said, after a couple of years, he said, well, I'll go out on my own. And so we split, but we still remain friends. And we use that as a conduit to make Oregon great. Because once we left Oregon, we would join together as one. And that just made us tougher than crap.
1: At Fargo or junior nationals? yeah. at Fargo, anywhere. But when you're within Oregon though, I've heard that the, the rivalry is legit between the two clubs.
0: Oh, yes, it is. It's just is. You know, we're, we're, we're just different. Uh, you know, he, he takes pride in, in his young men. I take pride in mine. And, you know, he likes to win. I like output. And I, I wait for the development of kids and also wait to, to see, you know, what will it be like as an adult?
1: And what was the big – and so their philosophy was more of like a private – club like a paid academy
0: it was a club private club and we would just get kids like i'd go out in the park i'd see kids in the park and say hey you look i'd like to wrestle and i'd go get them and bring them in the park bring them in and we start wrestling and just start working working at stuff like that and i says how good do you want to be it's not how good that i want to make you how good did remember travis west
1: Oh, yeah. Let's get into some of these guys. Yes, sir.
0: Yeah. Travis West, you know, he had about eight brothers.
1: Man, I read one of the most troubling stories I've ever heard this morning about his older brother, Lorenzo West, University of Oregon. The whole wrestling team van got into a horrible crash.
0: Yes, they did. Oh, my God. On that team, it was Lorenzo was just coming into his own. I also had a young man on there named Larry Toplift. Who was a freshman, he was just coming in on his own, and Lorenzo he got killed, but Larry got uh, paralyzed
1: and was there other team members in the van? Yes, wow, man that is
0: it was a it was a tragic accident and it and it changed transportation here in Oregon because people had to have better transportation and going to these wrestling meets
1: and so Travis was in middle school when this was all happening, and then yes. he Talk about his wrestling style.
0: He had what I call hips from hell. <laughs> and he could, he could toss anyone. And he was stubborn. And he was the baby of the family. <laughs> and so he was spoiled. <laughs> uh, I was like a father figure to him. And what I do is I give every kid a new friend. And that friend is called Pat. And Pat is pain, agony, and torture with a positive attitude today. And so you got to get Pat.
1: Man, there's so much just one-liners in this that I can't wait to go back and listen to. So what is it again? Pain, agony? Pain,
0: agony, and torture with a positive attitude today. Shale knows about that. Let's go. Shale was a, a jokester. He was tough, but he was a jokester. He, he came along at a great time. And he's a historian.
1: He, he is a historian. Now, he, he tells a story of one time when Clyde the Glide was playing for um, Portland and Jordan's in town and you had tickets to the game and you were in front of practice and you say, who wants these tickets? And a bunch of hands go up. And then it's you say, well, the game starts at 530 and we have practice until whatever time. And you rip the tickets up in front of the room. Is that true? Yeah,
0: <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't go see someone else do their expertise and miss out on mine. And I wow. just wanted to show kids it's about sacrifice. If I never have. and never will.
1: Wow! Like Jordan's not co- not going to miss practice, right? So no.
0: he's not going to miss practice to come and see me. So why should I, why should I go see him? <laughs>
1: So when when Chael comes in the room, give us like the the sense of the era, like who's in the room and like what's the uh, what's the vibe when he comes in?
2: Well,
0: right now they see him because he's on television and stuff and people, they see this person on television. But that's not the real Chael. Chael is a loving, caring person. And he and he's very loyal. And one of the things about Chael is he knows how to finish. Whatever he starts, he finish. Hmm. And he's an, enter- he's an entertainer now. <laughs> he's an entertainer. He can make you hate him, but if you really know him, you'll love him. Because, you know, that's just an act.
1: And he was like that yeah. on the bus rides back in the day? joking oh. and.
0: <laughs> well, he would have to wait his turn. We'd have guys like Bobby Janice... Bobby Janice was a little kid that uh, went to Arizona State and had a tragic accident.
1: I've read so much about him, and I can't wait to get into his story because you know just the wrestling I hear is unbelievable. Like, one oh. of the most gifted wrestlers in ever come through Oregon.
0: Oh, he was tough. He was, he was a little kid, and, and I remember when he first started, he, he smelled like baby powder. And he'd get out there, and he'd wrestle, and, and, he, and he'd cry. And I says, man, if you don't like this, don't lose. And he didn't after that. (laughs) (laughs) And he just started just putting in the time and just working hard. I remember we were at the nationals and Sam Henson and uh, TJ Jaworski, he had to wrestle them and he was afraid to wrestle them. And I just walked up to him and says, well, why don't you win? And he said, okay. And so he goes out there and, and he does a great job with them. And he, he's very successful. But he always smelt like baby powder. That's what I re- always
1: remember of him. But a kid that good, even that good, he's still afraid before big matches. Yes. It's probably more, more common than we think, right, with all wrestlers.
0: But everyone is. They just, once again, they just hide it. You know, that's just their, their, their way of dealing with it. Uh, kids today, especially, they think that they have to win in order for their parents to like them. And I make them aware of, I could care less about the outcome of this match. I care about you as an individual. Did you do your best? Period. And it's not in what I say to them, it's my body language. We're in jail and like after every practice, I give a speech to the kids about what did you do today? Did you do your best? What we need to work on. And I do it in such a way that I'm looking at one kid, but everyone thinks I'm looking at them. And they take it personal because they have that personal attention. And we shake hands coming in, Look in my eyes, shake my hand when we come in. And when they leave, I give them an apple and shake their hand and they got it back. An apple? Yes. An apple a day.
1: You must go through a lot of apples.
0: I go through about a box a night almost.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So when Bobby Janice comes in the room for the first time, I read that he was like six or seven years old. Yeah. When did he start to make the switch where you're realizing this could be a once in a generation type of a talent?
0: I didn't realize it because there were guys in there that were just as good as he was. You got Bobby Janice, you had T Von Abel, you had Damon McPherson, uh, well, Chael, those guys that just had that left, Chael and Kevin Keeney, those guys that just left. Mm-hmm. High Brown. Uh, Hyg Brown was like Bobby's little brother because they lived across the street from each other. <laughs> Hyg was pretty good himself, but he always wanted to quit. But Bobby was just—he was special. He was special.
1: What was his style like? Um,
0: he was a scrambler. You couldn't—you couldn't get a t- t- takedown on him. He just—he just. He just he was a defensive wrestler that all of a sudden his defense was his offense. And all of these guys, they were never out of shape. Hmm. Physically so when, or mentally.
1: So when you're getting ready for like Fargo with during those years, that was like the 80s. Are you guys working out? You're working out every day, but are you doing a lot of strength and conditioning or do you mostly focus on the wrestling with, with guys back the then?
0: Middle toughness. Toughness beats technique every time. <laughs> you know you're have all the technique in the world but if someone's kicking your butt okay, and if you look at all these young people that are wrestling now they're just tough yeah and that's what our kids don't have today for one reason or
1: another you've seen you noticed that
0: oh immensely
1: when did you start seeing it like 10 years ago or like five oh, years about-
0: ago about 10, 15 years ago, pains you me have to, to teach hear that. Kids to be tough, yeah, because you know, our parents, you know, we have a, a rule in, in our country: no fighting. And that's all we're doing out there. I said, "Hey, we're going to win this fight, man. We're predator or prey. Come on, let's go.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You decide." And mm-hmm. then they had to deal with Pat, and then deal with those emotions and the feelings, and and. And it goes
1: from there. Wow. And so if we, um, man, it just, I can't even imagine some of the scraps you've seen inside the room. And one of the, you know, while we're on the topic of Bobby Janice, one of the matchups I had, I've been told to ask you about is if you had to pit the great Oscar Wood versus Bobby Janice, can you even, uh, can you even pontificate how that match would go?
2: Uh,
0: Bobby would win. Like if Bobby was Bobby was special. He was he, he was awesome. So was Oscar, Oscar Isaac. They were all good as well. But Bobby Bobby was a special one. He he would beat like he and Gutchess. Uh, they were on the world team together, and they both took what I think it was well Bobby took fourth or fifth when they went on that cadet world team. Wow. And they come to Fargo, and they. Win Fargo, (laughs) then go home.
1: Double champ, that's crazy. And back then there was only you know there. I think there was really only just the one division. So to win it all was like you were the one guy. And so to do be a double champ back then was crazy.
0: It was. It was crazy. I mean, your body was beat up. Your mind was beat up. And but this is what we worked for.
1: This is
0: what we wanted. You know, we loved it hot. It's what is it? Iron sharpens
2: iron.
1: Right, and you know, I know these guys weren't in your club, but Oregon legends, you know, Dan Russell, the high school wrestler. What, what was he like back in the day?
0: He was he was like poetry in motion. <laughs> he had that 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 uh, that chin whip, that front headlock, and everyone said, "Well, you got to shoot in college," and he says, "No, I don't." And he went through almost his whole career. And turned everyone with that headlock. Wow. He was awesome. You know, and he was always a gentleman, still is today. All of those guys, it was all always about respect. That whole generation was about respect.
2: Hmm.
0: And it's always when they see him, when I see him now, it's it's Coach Pittman, Mr. Pittman, how you're doing. It's, it's, it, you know, it's, that's what it's about. We're all grown ups now.
1: Yeah. There's just so many storylines out there during that time. I did a, a documentary on the Smith brothers. And of course, Pat Smith's first match, like we already talked about, he, he go, they go to Oklahoma state flies to Portland state yes! and first match out of red shirt. I think it was a pin. I don't know if it's a tech or a pin. I think it was a pin. Um, and, uh, yeah, John Smith, the coach, Pat Smith gets pinned. And of course, Dan Russell is the first four time division two champ ever. Or one of, or Tim Wright might have been before him, but you know, right around that area. So it's like, man, a lot of uh, just a lot of great wrestling out in that era.
0: Well, it was just we had the the coaching. Hmm. Everything's about coaching and about development, and it was development of kids. Right now, it's every parent or every person thinks they can coach, (laughs) and they hurt more kids than they help because they don't have the patience to wait or they don't want to get those eight basic skills down, they look for instant gratification.
1: So were the parents not involved as much back in the uh, like 80s, 90s, and early 2000s?
0: Well, uh, some of the parents were. A lot of the kids that, that I had, I was the parent. The parents, you know, they didn't go to matches and stuff. They weren't used to wrestling, and, but hey, that was, that was okay. Mm -hmm. but they knew their kids were okay because they were with with me. And I gave them something to do on Saturdays and and on the weekends and stuff like that.
1: And so are you guys going every weekend to a tournament somewhere?
0: Every weekend. (laughs) Every weekend.
1: And how did you develop a propensity for Greco? Seems like a lot of your guys have gone on to have a lot of Greco success.
0: Pavel. Pavel came to the United States, Mark Sprague, brought Pavel into the United States. And he was working at USA, Oregon. And because of the rivalry that, that we had, sometimes he would come over to Peninsula. And he liked Peninsula because our guys were so tough. He loved toughness.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so all I would tell guys, the way I used to coach Greco is i tell guys, don't touch the legs. But they had those basic fundamentals down so pat that they didn't have to touch the legs.
1: Now, who's I, I'm embarrassed to say, I don't know who Pavel is.
0: Oh, Pavel, you know, he coached for the uh, uh, US Olympic team way back in the, in the early days.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think
0: he's in New York now, coaching uh, someplace out of New York. He came from. Uh, from Russia
1: mm. mm-hmm. So he's out there, and you guys really develop a you know all styles of wrestling, but definitely Greco. Yeah. and one of the guys who I saw, is it Romeo Salas?
0: Romilio Sa- Salas yes
1: How did he come across your, uh, across your radar?
0: Uh, he was he came from Colombia and he was at uh, Pacific University out here and yeah whether we like it or not, color plays a difference in a lot of things that, that, that we do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And these kids have never, they've never seen a uh, black coach before. And so uh, they gravitated to me because mm-hmm. of the way I treated them and, and, and we were a non-novelty. When these kids go to tournaments, people have no idea of what they have to go through. How do you mean? Well, people treat them differently. Even myself, when I go to when I used to go to tournaments, and even now, sometimes you go to restaurants, you won't serve you. Stuff like that, call your names.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: you can have say two hundred kids out there playing around, and people will tell you uh, get your kids under under control. And I said, well, why do I have to get well, get the rest of them under control? And I always have the kids show respect, and uh, and I and I always have to say that I'll take care of it, or or it's it's not what people call you, but what you answer to. So just don't answer to those things.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's uh it's frustrating for you, and you have to you know keep it together to be an example for the kids.
0: Exactly. That's 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 the whole thing. I I accepted this responsibility of being a role model. For all kids, and that all it does mean all. So, because did you always a lot of, go ahead? Sorry, a lot, excuse me. A lot, of, a lot of white kids they have problems too. They just handle them differently.
1: Mm-hmm. I like how you're keying in on that. All kids have have some issues going on that we don't probably know about on the outside. Like you said, whether it's trauma or whatever. Like that's I haven't really heard that a lot.
0: Well, it is, that's, trauma makes the decision for many of these young people today, trauma and shame.
2: Hmm.
0: And a lot of people are ashamed to say, hey, like if I asked you, what time do you eat dinner at night? You will probably say around
2: 6, 6.30. Some kids don't have dinner, Hmm. but they're ashamed to say it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: For, you know, it's, it's like when a, you come you come come to school come back from uh, spring break or spring vacation and the teacher asks kid, well where'd you go on spring break other kids well we went to disneyland we went here and then they ask the kid that it goes nowhere what's he gonna say what's she gonna say right you're gonna lie
1: yeah no i know exactly what you mean and i uh it, it just subtle them. things like that. You don't even think about, you know?
0: Yeah. You know, that's what makes, makes a person. And that says, don't be ashamed. So I, I give them something to do give them skills to deal with the questions that they have to answer within their
2: peer group.
1: Yeah. And you look at, you have such a knack for breaking down these complex subjects and distilling them to kids what did you do before you were involved as a wrestling coach? Did you go right into it or did you have a career be- before being a wrestling coach at Peninsula Park?
0: Went right into it. Because all sports have the same basic skills. Yeah. Quickness, everywhere everyone's the same. It's just we handle it differently.
1: But did you know you wanted to coach or like when you were coming up through high school or in college?
0: No. No. No, no you know. No one knows what they want to do because no one knows what tomorrow might bring. So what we do is we get kids to lie.
2: Mm.
0: Well, I want to do this, I want to do that. You don't know what you want to do. Situations, and circumstances may arise for you to do something totally different. Mm. And with uh, in the 80s, and especially now, they've got these young people doing all these shooting and things but is anyone talking about the kids and how, how they're dealing with it? And it's their friends, and that's where trauma and grief and all that stuff comes in?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And we're worried about winning a match? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's like you see stuff like that, and it puts it all into perspective.
0: It is. You know, we go to Fargo every year, and I've been telling Fargo for the longest, we need, we've got, like last year, there were 7,000 kids here. 7,000 kids from all over the United States, and we don't have nothing
1: educational for them. Mm, interesting. Yeah. You got the singlet trading going on outside, but like there's so much dead time. Those kids could be doing something.
0: Can you imagine if we taught, <laughs> excuse me, taught these kids how to treat young ladies? Or taught all of the juniors and seniors how to get recruited, mm-hmm. just little things like that that will help them. Certain behaviors that you have to have on, you know, in college or in life, how to change your life, mm-hmm. you know, how to pick friends,
1: just basic life skills like that. That's you know?
0: all it is. Wow, you know, because they come from everywhere, all over. You know, you talk about training singers out there. You got guys that just come in to trade singlets that take advantage of all these kids. Right. And they, and they make thousands of dollars.
1: So how many years have you been going to the junior nationals for the, every year?
0: Every year. Oh, I, I missed one year.
1: Oh, due to COVID. That's it though. Besides that, besides yeah. the COVID year. Wow.
0: Once again, it's consistency. First, I went as a coach. Now I go as an official.
1: Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. And then when, when you were involved with the 1984 team, what, what was that involvement, the Olympic team?
0: I was a coach for the Colombian team. Got it. Emilio okay. Salas, yes.
1: So you coached him just after he got to college, or how, how did you start working yes, with him? Yes, you...
0: after college. Nice. See, my room is open to everyone. It's places like uh, like right now, Clackamas Community College, all these colleges around. If their guys want extra practice, they come to, come to their room. Wow.
1: So you have young kids in there with the older kids? and
0: Oh, yeah. Remember Tyrell Fortune?
1: I don't know that name.
0: You know, he, he does MMA now, but he was, uh, what was it, uh, six times? No, two, four. Yeah, six-time national champion at Fargo at
1: 220. Wow. Yeah. And you've Just, been – You've been big on having, you know, anyone come to your room including girls. Like how long have you had women coming through the, the program?
0: Oh, they've been there ever since the beginning. Really? Yeah. We you know, we had them as a matter of fact, we had this one girl named I think, was, I think it was Sammy and we had to have to have a lawyer on retainer because the way she was being treated by other people
1: Deck from like other teammates or, or not? I mean, not other teammates, but like other teams or like what? Other
0: teams, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't treat her as, as an individual. Like, you know, she, she'd she have to have a special place to change. Or, right. No, know you can't do that. Not, not, and they'd stack the deck against her.
1: Like just put so her, her up I against says, hammers right away.
0: When yeah. I said, well, when this happens, you let me know and we'll and we'll send them a letter. And we'll we'll make it happen. When was this? And now. Like, I think now there's over 20,000 girls wrestling.
1: Yeah. And when yeah. that, the, the stories you were saying, when, when, uh, when was that taking place? Would you say,
0: uh, about the 80s, early 80s?
1: So it's like those early pioneers, they went through a lot. You know, they just took it on the yes, chin. They,
0: yes, they did. Yes, they Man. did. And, uh, and now they're adults now and they're better for it. But once again, it wasn't about winning. It's just, it, was about, it was just about getting through this time in your life where you get you get what wrestling gives you, that mental toughness.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: People like wrestlers because wrestlers don't quit.
1: It's true. It's, yeah. it's a great thing. Yeah. Um, and when you think about some of the uh, the great people have come through your program, I know you know people like me and you know others, we'll talk about the names that we all remember. and I know there's millions of names that, that you know that have came through that are amazing wrestlers that we' never heard of, but one that does come to mind, Kelsey Campbell. she Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> talk about her uh, her progression.
0: She came through, she was going to Milwaukee High School. and when she first went to Milwaukee High School to wrestle. They thought she was a custodian, and they thought she was there just to mop the mats. And a lot of people, they come to Peninsula because the atmosphere at Peninsula is we welcome anyone and everyone. And so she came there, and she started her journey. Uh, The philosophy at Peninsula, first year, you learn how to lose. Next year, you learn how to, to win. And next year, you learn how to be a good person. And winning isn't winning the match, but winning is doing the best you can at what you have. But she would get beat up every day and come back the next day ready to go. And she was in there with those guys. And those guys, they didn't spare their horses with her. They would, they, she wanted to wrestle, and they would wrestle. And she got tougher and tougher. Like success for her was just getting a takedown on some of the some of the guys in there.
1: Mm-hmm. And were you there when she made the team in 2012? Yes, I was. Wow, that had to be that had to be a special moment. How many Olympians and Olympic alternates have you coached over the years? Five. Who are they? You got Kelsey. Anthony Amalo, Anthony Amalo,
0: Salas, Travis West, and uh, Uh, and who the other? Yeah, the, the other two. Yeah, what's on Kelsey. Kelsey? Kelsey, yeah. Kelsey made it twice.
1: Yeah. There and there's a name that uh, Chael mentioned that I have to ask about. Is it Broderick Lee? Oh
0: yes, <laughs> <laughs> Broderick. We used to call him Force Half Lee.
1: <laughs>
2: Broderick
0: was a. Uh, he used to wrestle with Dennis. Remember Dennis Hall? Oh yeah. Yeah. They used to have barn burners. He's the <laughs> only one that beat Broderick. He beat him at the Nationals in Fargo, and also he beat him for the Olympic trials. Wow. Fargo was this little bow-legged kid, but he was very likable. And he, uh, he was tough. He was tough. And they all went to Portland State. And we had a pipeline to Portland State. And that's when Portland State, they went on. And with Marlon, they went and won the national championships two years in a row with five kids.
1: Five in the they finals.
0: National, yeah. And they all they all were national champions. Ooh, Roderick, crazy. Yeah, Broderick, Russell, uh, Sisson, Travis, and Tony Champion. Wow. Yeah.
1: What a name, Tony Champion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i said what tony champion that's a hell of a name yeah. um, so so broderick lee he's part of this so this era of of guys that where you guys are putting a lot of guys out at fargo i mean what what was his style like was he more of a, a, a thrower guy
0: yeah he, he, he was a ruffian he would beat you up <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he was like a bully a 120 pound bully <laughs> bow legs muscle bound guy you know he looked like a wrestler's ears would stick out and he could he could really turn it on and all these all these guys can throw because that's one of the basic skills that you have to have so you wrestle, and next thing you know bam
1: right and do you think there's a have you seen like a a de emphasis on Greco over the past 30, 40 years, like at yes. the at the youth and national level?
0: Well, what happens, you know, all these shirts that you see with Greco, it's always someone throwing someone.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And if you're a mother, you don't want your child to be on that shirt being thrown. Mm-hmm. So we need to change that logo because wrestling is not a greco it's not about throwing, it's all about position and just you know toughness.
1: Yeah, and like so, it's so such a hand-fighting game.
0: Yeah, they always want to throw, throw, throw. And how many times do you see a throw in Greco up in the upper division? Not that much. Right. Yeah, but you see a lot of pushing out of bounds, a lot of strategy. There's a lot of mental toughness. Mm-hmm. And all these matches are won by one or two points, not by f- five or six. And everybody gets impatient. And when they make that mistake, that good guy, he, he makes them pay for it.
1: Now, were the Cobra guys doing a lot of Greco as well? Because I think about oh, Oscar, yeah. they were big on it too, huh?
0: With Pablo there, they did a lot. Got Have it. you heard of Anthony Amato?
1: Just through Chael.
0: Oh, yeah. Anthony Amato, he was a, another Olympian here. And, he, you know, I just, he's just, he's still around, he's tough.
1: And all through a little park district club, like you're not going out and recruiting kids. You're not like, this is just people who live in the area, basically.
0: Yeah, that's safe. You come in, I see you in the park or people to come because they see us at tournaments and they want to be part of it Mm -hmm. because you always have to be a gentleman. I don't (laughs) yell and scream and degrade and all that other stuff. You don't need to do all that stuff Mm -hmm. You treat them like human beings.
1: Yeah, I mean it's and like a, a couple of things I've read about you. It's just like one of your things is just being nice. Yeah, it's that simple.
0: That's, hey, it's the most simple thing in the world. Be nice, be nice, be nice, and, and that's sh- why that simple handshake at the beginning of practice it teaches young people how to look people in the eye and shake their hands, mm-hmm. and it breaks down a lot of barriers.
1: A, it's a lost skill too, from what I'm hearing.
0: Well, it, it's just it is. <laughs> you know, with COVID and all that other stuff. Right. But, but these are things we we have to get back to. It's you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater.
1: Right. And when you you think about all these values you're instilling in kids, a lot of I think about how much influence you must have on where a lot of your guys go to college what was that process like seeing some of your studs get recruited by, by the big time colleges? Were you pretty involved with that or?
0: What I do is I give everyone a a sheet on how to select a college or what I think is how to select a college. And like the first one is what type of weather do you like? (laughs) Because you're going to be there for four or five years. Mm -hmm. So that's very important. Uh, Make them aware of, the college doesn't make you, you make the college. Mm -hmm. And it's what do you want to do? And when you go to college, you can only do, there's three things that you can do. You can do your sport, you can do your studies, or you can have girls, but there's three things you can do, but you can only do two of them. Well, (laughs) so it's what two are you going to do?
1: (laughs) Now, do you think the coach of the college, Matters a lot. And it sounds obvious. Of course it does. But a lot of times coaches come and go, you know, it's like how much weight do you put on the coach at the time of the program?
0: Uh, It's all on the kid and their style and who who they are. Mm -hmm. You know, they just have to feel comfortable. And what are they going to school for? I've got guys that will practice and don't want to go to college. Don't want to wrestle in college, but they'll go to college and they'll graduate and do well. Right. But they don't want to wrestle in college. And I said, fine. So, see, everything depends on you. It's how much you want to put into it.
1: Mm-hmm. That's all. And outside of Portland State, would you say Arizona State was the second biggest pipeline for you guys? Did you send a lot uh, of guys there or just yeah, a couple? Well,
0: Arizona State, uh, Northwestern, uh, had some at Harvard or Stanford.
1: Wow. It's all, all over.
0: Where, you know, where, wherever they want to go, I try to stay out of it because their parents always say, well, I got it. I got this. They all think they know. And I said, fine, go. Wow. But you can always come back because the door swings both ways.
1: I'd love to see Oregon have a program again.
0: I think they will. It just, it just how we, how we handle it. You know, right now it's all political.
1: Mm-hmm. I could see uh, like, you know, coming back strong with a men and a women's program. I mean, that's the only way, you know, to to have yeah. a <clears throat> a standalone women's program is a must. But man, Oregon State's in good hands, so with Chris Pendleton and those guys right now. I like well, those those guys a lot.
0: Well, they did a fabulous job. You know, they got the they got the market cornered. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's only one D one school in the state.
1: And no D one schools in Washington.
0: None. And so what we have to do is we all have to work together. And everybody thinks, well, I wanna go back here. I wanna go back there. Hey, education, education is what you have left when you've forgotten everything you've learned. So you can get an education anywhere. You have to have an educational degree, but you also have to have a street degree. That's what makes shale so special. He's got a street. He's got a st- street degree along with the educational degree.
1: Yes, he does. <laughs> yeah. man, he's he's funny. I uh, he's just a great advocate for wrestling. It's awesome. See,
0: we need we need him, and because wrestling is a political thing.
1: Oh, definitely, uh, definitely. And and,
0: the, and these and these females, they saved our sport. I think.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yes. And so now the iron is hot is we need to talk to legislators about what's good for our sport. And, and I think we're the fifth largest participating sport in NC2As.
1: Yeah. I'm with you on the, uh, on the tracks of women's wrestling savings, men's college wrestling, 100%. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah,
0: and these are all daughters of these congressmen, statesmen, what mm-hmm. a businessman it what have you
1: yeah yeah it's uh, it's it's looking good though right now i like I like where things are at, and there's every day you hear of more programs being added, mostly at like the division three level, but you know we we dodged a bullet with Stanford, and you know hopefully we get some more programs going back out west where you guys are at
0: oh yes we i I do too it's, everyone needs some place to go,
1: mhm,
0: I think the biggest mistake we had here on the West Coast is California used to give junior colleges, kids from junior colleges free tuition. Right. And then some person with their infant wisdom starts saying, well, let's not do that anymore. Let's start charging them. (laughs) And everything went down from there. Yeah. Because everyone follows California, California, New York.
1: That California Juco season is so unique where they do it in the fall, they're doing it right now, right? Every, yes. <laughs> and it's just like their own Juco, like 28 or 22 schools, and they don't even compete in the NJCAs. No, well, they got so
2: many
0: people, Beautiful they got thing. so many people
2: down there, you
0: know, with so many with so much money and, and just different ideas. Yeah, I had a young man go down there, Norman Richmond. And he went down there and he was a JUCO champion. He went down there for two years and did a good job. Yeah. And now he's see, Peninsula is run by volunteers. So it's not about money. Wow. And they're all coming back, volunteering, helping these young people. Because That's... I always make them aware of where they came from. And, and with that all means all, What I did for one, I'll do for every one of them.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And they
0: have to understand that.
1: It's cool how you can make each one feel like you have a unique connection with them, but really you're doing that with all of them.
0: Yes. You know, you treat everyone the same. Differently. Mm -hmm. You know, it just takes a lot of awareness on your part of where these kids are coming from. And realizing that they all have to go home. And when they go home they're not going to let you take away one of their survival skills or techniques.
1: And have you ever had any of the kids have to live with you because their environment was so unstable at home or? No, I
0: don't have them live with me. I have them live with other parents.
1: Okay. Gotcha. Other parents,
0: they, you know, they've adopted some kids and done these other things, but I, I keep that away.
1: Gotcha. To keep,
0: you know, just for safety.
1: Yeah. And when you look at we're coming down to the end here, coach, it's been awesome to chat with you and you look at, you know, the the message you're sending out to the to the kids. It's very unique. And, you know, every every interview we wind down with the question, how did wrestling change your life? That's the name of the podcast. So like when you look at some of the lessons that wrestling's taught you or that you're giving out to the kids, what are the big ones?
0: Well, one is not what you've lost what you have left and it's how you apply that and what wrestling has done for me this past january yeah january i lost two brothers a niece and a daughter and when i lost my daughter i lost her at uh, seven o'clock p.m and i was at practice at eight o'clock
1: what Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry for you. That's that's a horrible situation. But you still went to practice.
0: You had to, you know. These young people, when they count on you, they count on you, and that's what it's about. Wow. And that's why you know I talk about trauma and all this other stuff. We need mental health people at all of our programs because kids deal with this every day. And they just have to find the words to say. Right. And I give them a word to say, and I let them know that, hey, I'm here, but I'm hurting. This is something that you can do. You can get through it. It won't last. And if they see you go through it, then they feel like they can do it.
1: Yeah. And when you look at, you know, going back to the the topic we were talking about earlier, you know, one of your wrestlers Bobby Janice, he was, you know, on track to be a star, and you know, fortunately, took his life as a freshman at Arizona State. When you see something like that, was that like an eye-opening moment for you, or were you kind of aware of this all going on before this?
0: Well, i I was down in Arizona that Friday night before that happened, and we had dinner Friday night, and he told me he was going to come back and go to Portland State because his mom was going to have some type of surgery. And it just makes you aware that any given, given moment, something might happen. What shows the importance of gangs, gangs were very relevant then. And these kids would do anything to belong to something.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And he, he got involved and made a mistake, but it just took his life.
1: And so you had dinner with him on Friday.
0: Yeah. Wow. And this happened Saturday.
1: And what time of year was this?
0: Uh, this was around September, and October. Yeah.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. Man, that is just a uh, something you don't you don't even think about until it happens. And no, uh, you,
0: you don't. You don't. It was a it was a tough pill to swallow. A tough pill to swallow. But once again, you you know. You got to go through it. <laughs> you got to go through it. And, uh, and if I can make it, make it easier for other kids, showing them how to go through mm-hmm. this. Uh, because this is, this is life.
1: And what advice would you have for anyone who's going through some tough stuff right now, like to get through like a traumatic event like that? What's the first thing you, you tell them?
0: Find the words to say. Tell someone, talk to someone. That's the most important thing. And we have to be accessible to these kids and knowing that they are going through a lot of things in their life. <clears throat> and it's more than just wrestling.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, wrestling is just a conduit for something. But these kids, they want to belong and they're going to belong.
1: It's and like, right can we now, just get there's... them in the right group though, right? Like what group yes. are they going to belong to? Otherwise, that's the...
0: Exactly. And there's so much fake news out there. That they got to process all this stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, kids today are, in, you know, you have access to kids today 24 hours a day. That's too much. There's no downtime.
1: <laughs> it's, it's, it's exhausting.
0: Yes, it is. <laughs> and we want them to perform and do all these other things. So I teach them how to relax, you know, just how to meditate. Just, re- just let it go. hmm And not be afraid to show emotions.
1: That's a big one.
0: Oh, my gosh. Especially with the boys. Well, even with girls now. Because, you know, they want to be tough as well. Um, And everything can be taken out of context. Depends on the culture that you come from.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. You know, we we tell kids about uh, a lot of immigrants coming to the United States. But then you look at it. We're all immigrants here, except the Native Americans, man. Mm-hmm. And kids see that, so so they get mixed messages unless you start breaking it down to them. Yeah. Hmm. So, but that's what I you know what I love to do, and and I like I said before, a nation is only as strong as the youth in that nation, and I believe that concept so much that I've devoted fifty three years for it.
1: And I'm so glad that you're out there on the mat still because, man, I just know that that whole area of Portland's in good hands if, if, you're, if you're controlling the stick. So it's, it's, uh, it's been a long time coming. I'm so glad we are able to chat today, Coach. Any last words before we sign off, Coach Pittman?
0: Um, have a fabulous life. <laughs> have a great day, okay?
1: <laughs> Thanks, Coach. I appreciate it. You as well, sir. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life with Coach Roy Pittman. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're listening on Spotify, rate the show. All past episodes can be found on WrestlingChangeMyLife.com. A special thanks to our sponsor, Spartan Combat. They're now accepting custom team apparel orders for the 2022-2023 season. Go to SpartanCombat.com to place your order.